Well, I began to study some things. nor effeminate. This is interesting to me because there's a spirit in that. So it's referring to a, a man that just kind of acts effeminate. It's quiet. But yet the Bible says that be careful, be not deceived. Don't even entertain those thoughts that might take you in direction. Then he says, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. This is the part I want to focus on for just a moment. Abusers of themselves. Abusers of themselves with mankind. This simply means letting others convince you that you are less than what God created you to be.
then you get to the point where you're thrashing yourself because someone has beat you down with words. Verbal, as well as physical abuse, will keep you away from your destiny. Are you hearing me? And letting that affect you, he says, letting that affect you is sin. Abusers of themselves or mankind is a sin when you allow them to disrupt and to disturb your convictions and what you believe to be right and what you believe to be wrong. Amen. You want to fit in so bad with certain groups until you are willing to compromise what you believe to be true, but then you find out no matter what you do, they never accept you. They beat you up and they make fun of you. They talk about you. And he calls that sin. Now that, that almost sounds like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being sensitive to, to uh, someone that psychologically is going through some of these issues. But let me tell you why it's considered sin. Because it keeps you away from being loved by God. God tries to love you, but you don't believe he can because of what others have said to you. They make you feel unlovable, so you don't think God can love you. They abuse you, and you think that the only way that you'll have any attention is when God abuses you. Are you with me? Well, I'm going to be very methodical about what I'm saying because a lot of us are dealing with some things that we need to uh, be able to overcome. But the first thing we have to do is get it in your mind with the Word of God that there is a way to be completely delivered. Amen. So then Paul goes on to write in the 10th verse, neither, nor thieves, nor a covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And he says this. Here's what I want you to get. And such were some of you. That tells me right there that I can be completely delivered. So when people say to me that I gotta, I've, I've had this problem for 25, 30 years, I'm telling you, you should not carry it a day any longer because God is wanting to completely deliver you. There's some things that you're faced with today that you've held on to, but he says it is a sin because you won't let me love you out of your condition. Amen. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are, here's the word, justified. Justified means acquittal. You are justified in what? The name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our 
God. You want to know why we say in Jesus' name? I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. I, uh, I uh, receive my healing in Jesus' name. I commission in the name of Jesus Christ. Why do we use the name of Jesus all the time? It's when we release in prayer the name of Jesus Christ. He says you are washed by His name. You cannot get the cleansing of the things that you are faced with in your life until you apply the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me? Justified is a legal term meaning acquittal. It's a judgment that a person is not guilty of the crime with which the person has been charged. So the trial, in essence, the trial result is an acquittal or an acquittal. Listen to me very carefully. Sinners, including all of us, are in the wrong before God. I don't care how long you've gone to church, you're still wrong. And if you're never willing to admit you're wrong, you're wrong again. They have broken his laws. They deserve punishment. But on the cross, Christ took their place. Now, when they put their trust in Jesus Christ, they are declared to be in the right, acquitted, justified. The cross shows God to be just. Not simply in the fact that he forgives us, but in the way he forgives us. To pass over our sins would show mercy. And to cover our sins would be mercy. But it would not show justice. Forgiveness by the way of the cross shows both mercy and justice. Watch this. Romans 3.25. Watch this. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. In other words, he's taken our place. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Next scripture says this though. Here's where it's at. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Propitiation means that he'll cover your sins. But justification means he takes your sins away. I, Brother Hawks, I want you to come up here and bring your sins. This man is carrying... A lot of baggage. <laughs> He's got a lot of things going on in his life that the Lord says, I want to cover you. That is mercy. But God wants to give you more than mercy. 
Ah. He wants to make sure you have justice. That you have been acquitted. That you have been delivered. That you have been washed by the name of Jesus Christ. That you don't keep carrying the things you carry. His mercy says, you've done wrong yesterday, I'll cover it. And you did wrong last month, I'll cover it. And you've done things that you know you shouldn't have done throughout today, but I will cover it. But the Lord says, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. I, I, I want to do more than that to you. I want to take some things from you. You've been carrying this for a long time. Now let's get rid of that. And you've got some other issues in your life. And he says, let, 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 me, let, me, let me get rid of all of this stuff that you're carrying. you got all this baggage on you. you got anything else going on. And he keeps going at you, keeps going at you. Look at there, look at there. I thought I had all, the thing, all of this. I thought you'd been living for God for 30 years. What, what are you talking about? You said everything was okay. But now the Lord says, no, not everything is okay. i still got some things in you that i got to get out of you. And while he's pulling those things out of you, he's doing things in your life that you never thought he could do. But you went carrying those things and acting like everything's okay, and I'm not got any problem. And I've been living for God for so long. I'm one of the saints of the Most High. But He said, No, 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 no. I got to give you something now. When I cover you with my mercy, when I cover you with my mercy, I've taken away your sins. Now, when you walk out of this place, you don't have to be depressed any longer. You don't have to carry that anxiety any longer. You don't have to continue in your sins any longer. I bid God, in the name of Jesus Christ, will take your sins and you will be acquitted. You will be delivered. You will be justified by my spirit. Hallelujah. He's the justifier of those that believe in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, somebody shout hallelujah. You've been carrying and act like there's nothing wrong. You keep telling everybody everything is okay. But you know what's going on in your house. You know what's going on in your life. You know the little things you're saying about people you shouldn't be saying. You're allowing your friends to convince you to be a grievance to God. And you act like everything's okay. And the reason is because you keep coming to church. And you keep coming to the altar. And you keep paying your tithe. And you keep doing all the things you think are right to do. But God says, no, 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 no. I want to get into where you really live. I want to talk to you about who you really are. I want to be a God to you that takes away your sins, not just cover them. Hey. Mercy covers sin, but justice takes it away. I've been acquitted. Not just that he forgives, but 
How he forgives is important. Mercy is forgiveness. You know what mercy is? Saying, I'm going to give you some time. When you get your bill, you got 30 days. That's called mercy. After your due date, the 15th, you got 30 days of the next month to make sure you get things right. That's what the Lord says. I'll cover your sins. But I'm giving you mercy right now. And I'm going to give you another so-and-so amount of time to get some things straightened out that's inside of you. Thank God he doesn't make me pay every time I sin. But he's a God that says I'm going to give you time. I'm willing to work with you on you. I, being God, I'm going to show you mercy, and I'm going to work with you until you can get some things straightened out in your own head and in your own mind. So the trial resulted in an acquittal. Jesus says, I'm going to take the place of the guilty. They are the ones that should be on this cross, but instead, they will be acquitted. I'm not going to just cover them. I'm going to deliver them. <laughs> Let me break this down a little further. When the children of Israel were going to come out of Egypt, God said, that he was going to come through Egypt with a death angel. And when this angel comes through Egypt, he's going to take the life of the firstborn. But in order for mercy to be applied, I need some blood on the doorpost, and blood upon the head post. And when you apply this blood, the death angel will cross over and pass over your household. But they could not live by just the blood covering them, but he had to have something going on inside the house. We got to get this stuff that we believe on the outside, and we need to get our obedience to God on the inside. And so God said, I want you to bring a lamb. Bring it into the house. Get your family and everybody that will come. And when you take that lamb, you provide it for consumption. And don't leave any meat upon its bones. I want them to understand 
that when they consume this lamb, it's going to be the lamb of God on a cross that shall be consumed for them. My mercy is not good enough. It's only a period of time so they can get everything straightened out. But he says, I want more from you than me just covering you because I love you. I want you to know I love you all the way into every circumstance and every problem of your life. And until you're willing to consume the lamb. Oh somebody. You'll never understand the cross. He says, I'm not a God that you can just take pieces of me. I want you to know you got to have all of me or you don't have none of me. I want you to know that I'm a God that it will be your only God because I'm a jealous God. Amen. And he says to be not deceived in everything that is pushing and prodding you, but I want to deliver you you will never come out of Egypt until the lamb is consumed. Amen. Amen. That's why I'm obligated as a pastor to preach the way I do, even though it may not be popular. And I have professors telling me that I'm preaching false doctrine. I would care less what they think and what they say. The reason is because I'm in the Word of God, and not one of them are willing to sit down with me and me show them why we believe what we believe. They're afraid, and why they're afraid is because they don't even know what they believe. They're just stating what somebody else showed them, but they don't ever study to get the revelation for themselves. I got to preach that we got to have all of it or none of it. We can't just preach things out of context and we can't just preach because this is our preference and we can't preach to conform to your lifestyle. We got to preach about conviction. We got to preach about separation. We got to preach that you come out of the world and you, you go into his marvelous light. Hey, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. See, when Jesus went to the cross, there was no sin in him. But he took all sin and removed it in death. What he's really saying is I'm going to step in to the life of Raina. And I'm going to get all the way in her heart. And when I do, it's just me on the cross, dying for the, all of the mistakes, all of the problems, all of the issues that may have gone on in her life. And while I'm removed on that cross, those things shall be removed in her. Mm. You got to get what I'm saying, church. Some of you have never heard stuff like this. You need to hear your pastor today. You've been living for God for a long time, but I'm preaching to every single person in this church, to all the elders, every minister. I'm preaching to every saint of God. I'm preaching to you and telling you that until we get this on the inside, I don't care how much you do what you do, and you may look pretty, and you may talk the right words, but I've got to get to a place where as a pastor, I am preaching every dirty, every thought, everything that 
that shouldn't be in our lives is dug out by the Spirit of God. Amen. Including myself. I got to get myself right with God. The lamb had to be consumed. It's acquittal. The lamb took our place. Acquittal. We should have been removed, but instead he was removed. He took away our sins. That's why, that's why, Brother Wilson, every part of that lamb had to be consumed so that he was the one that was removed, not you. Acquittal. Go on and tell you this in Matthew the sixth chapter, 19th verse, it says this. Jesus is speaking, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. This is the scripture right here, though, that I want you to just polarizing your mind, and that is for where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your treasure is what you allow in your heart. Your heart is your emotion. Your heart is your desires. Your heart is what bleeds and pumps everything through your flesh. Your treasure is what you allow your heart to love. Be careful of what you allow to touch your heart. Your heart is your emotions. It's the flesh side of humanity. If you let the heart love the things of the world, you'll become like the world. But if you let your heart love the things of God, if you let your heart love the things of God, you'll become like God. Let me just tell you that your heart determines the direction and the treasure of your life. What you value, what you value is telling me what you love. And what you love tells me the direction you're willing to go. And when you fall in love with Jesus, I'm telling you, just like the world is intoxicated with booze and intoxicated with drugs and intoxicated with illicit sex and intoxicated, no, we on the other side are just intoxicated about our God. Amen. We love praying. We love talking. We love going to church. We love dancing in the spirit. We love worshiping God. Oh, do I get a witness in this house? Amen. Because we, we are on this side saying I have fallen in love with God. Once I was bound, but now I'm set free. Once I lived for the world, but now I live for God. Once I used to do these things, but now I have been washed by the spirit of the Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. Amen. I am not what I used to be. I may not be what I want, but at least I'm not where I was. Amen. 
Jesus also says in 6.22, Matthew 6.22, he says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. This word single is to be set on God. I got my eyes on God. I got a boxer. He's about 90 pounds. He's a fawn color boxer. Beautiful dog. Just, but he, he's always wanting attention. As soon as I get home, my hand will be by my side, and he keeps bumping it with his wet nose. And, and I'm like, hold on, let me put everything down. I got stuff in my hands here, and my hand, and, and he's just hitting this one. I'm like, well, hang on, I'm, I'm about, and when I finally put it down, I start loving him. He always starts spinning around. It's like, settle down. I can't love you until you settle down. But it's, it's, it's really funny. He'd be laying down. I don't know if you can get a close-up of me doing this. Get a close-up. I want a close-up of this. And he'll, he'll be laying down. I cannot make a move where he's not watching me. Sometimes he don't even turn his head. He'll be looking this way, and all of a sudden you'll see his eyes go. Like I didn't see that. I will go behind the counter. I kid you not. I know he can't see me, but he sure makes me feel like he can. His eyes and all you can see is just the top of his head. And I'm behind the counter. And I can see as I move from one side to the next, his head will move like it's washing me. Now, I thought about that. What would it be like if we did the same with our master? That dog loves me like you wouldn't believe. He'll lay down. He'll go upside down. He wants to hug on me. He doesn't know he's not a lap dog. He tries to get up in my lap, and he's 90 pounds. And I'm like, hey, you've got to figure something out. My leg's going to fall asleep or fall off one or the other. And, and he loves me so much. And, and someone said to me, uh, how can you tell if your, your wife really loves you? I said, how? They said, do this. Put your dog and your wife in the trunk and leave them there for 30 minutes. When you come back, see who's excited to see you. <laughs> I hate to say this, but folks, I'm probably going to be in the trunk today. <laughs> but what would happen if we loved our master like that? Every time we come to the house of God, we didn't have to have the perfect song. Even when I let his water run out and I forget, he still doesn't quit on me. When I have forgotten to feed him, he doesn't quit on me. When I take him for a walk or I forget to, he doesn't leave me. No, he's just got his eyes set on me. He's watching every move I make. I go into the bathroom. He thinks he's got to get in there with me. I go through my closet. There he is. I got to the point where you can't even hardly take a shower. He's right there, laying in front of the shower, waiting. 
Oh, I'm saying something right now. I'm not just talking about a dog. I'm talking about us. When we get to the place where it doesn't matter where you're at, amen, it might be inconvenient places, but I'm going to tell you, when you've got God in your life everywhere you go and everything you do, I promise you, you will see things change in your life. But the problem is we don't have a single-minded eye on God. He said you need to keep your eyes on God. Six twenty-two. Let's go back to Matthew. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. He says in the next verse. He doesn't use the word single. He said, "But if thine eye be evil," he doesn't say single. He says evil. Why? Because he's saying there's many gods. The God of wealth, the lust of the flesh, gods of false doctrine and idolatry. There's many gods. And he says this, but if the eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of what? Darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. Now he's comparing the two and bringing the two together. How great is that darkness? He's saying light and darkness. One day on Sunday, one day on Monday, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you're cussing like a sailor, and, oh, yeah, I live for God, but you're down drinking with your boys, and you're driving a car home when you're drunk. And you're saying, well, I'm okay, nothing's wrong. Yeah, there is something wrong. I have a problem with that personally because, not me having that problem, but a problem with people personally because I think people get the idea that, that, that it's okay as long as we're paying our little penance. Oh, man, am I beating this devil up today. Amen. As long as I'm paying my penance. And some people think that they're qualified based on how much they have given to God. But I'm going to tell you, it's not how much you give. It's how much He gave. And until you understand that the Lamb has to be completely and fully consumed, you will never understand how to be acquitted and justified by Him. Oh, yeah. Light and darkness. Is trying to serve two masters. That's why it says in the next verse, but if thine eye be evil. Oh, let's go back. 24th verse. No man can serve two masters. And then we ask ourselves the question, why isn't this happening? At least y'all still here. You didn't leave me. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve two gods. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus was teaching them the value Teaching the value of him being the heart 
that Jesus was the heart of God. He was teaching us that our heart must be set on him. We cannot love evil and good at the same time, light and darkness at the same time. They cannot be, they cannot coincide together. You must choose one or the other. And then please don't, don't, don't leave on me yet because I, I want you to hear this. Where your treasure is denotes value. How important and how valuable is God to you is the real question. Are you going to justify what you want over what you should value? But I want this, and I want to do that, and I want to say this, and I want to and be involved in that. And when you get in all these ideas, you haven't even come to the conclusion that while you're on Sunday, you're on Monday making excuses as to why you're going to do certain things that you know you shouldn't do. And then God wants to deliver you. And when all these vices get a hold of you and the depression of this world gets in you and, and the addictions get in you and you're trying to figure it all out. And God said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why are you blaming me? Why are you blaming me? I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I loved you enough to die for you. And that's how valuable you are to me. But the real question is, how valuable, God is saying, am I to you? In our world today, God is becoming less valuable. It scares me, to be honest with you. Even people that are in churches today are, are saying to me, and I, I know I'm taking my time. I don't know how long I've preached already, but I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this, all right? Uh, and I don't generally preach very long, but the last two weeks I have, I guess. But just hold on. I know everybody wants to go to lunch. But what do you want? There you go. But it amazes me how even some of our young students coming from college that have no idea and no knowledge of God at all. And then we have people walk in the doors and, and they're saying to me, people that have been in church all their life, Pastor, I have never heard it like that before. Sister Nicole has told me over and over again, she said, Pastor, I've never heard this stuff. I don't, th this is unbelievable. I've never heard this. I'm thinking, why have you not heard this? Not just in our world, but we're also losing the value of God in our churches. Our pastors and preachers are afraid to preach to you because they don't want to offend you. They're afraid because they know that if you leave, then you'll take your tithe with you. But I will tell you, I'll preach truth before I'll preach your tithing to me and to this church. I, you, you, you take anything you feel like you've got to take because I am not going to compromise on the truth. Brother Hawks, you feel the same way. I am not going to compromise, Brother Wilson. Come on, bro, Brother Flores, Brother Lu Luetta. You know what I'm saying. We, we cannot compromise this truth because I'm not going to go to hell because I'm going to have to answer to what I'm preaching. I'm not going to go to hell just trying to appease people. I want to go to heaven because I preach the truth. And when I get to heaven, I want the Lord to say, Rob Bibb, thou good and faithful servant. 
I didn't just cover you, boy. I delivered you. You've been acquitted. Come on in. Hmm. Some treat God as though he has some kind of trade value. Trading him for something of greater value. There's nothing greater than God. Some people like to trade the truth or trade God for time, time. It's my time. I, I, I don't have the time for this. Some people trade better opportunities. Well, I got a better opportunity to go here rather than go there. So, or it's more convenient because it's closer or whatever. Some people trade the truth and trade God for entertainment. They go to churches where they say, oh, I like this music. I love this music. And they want to be entertained rather than preached to. I have people in this church that show up for the music and leave for the preaching. God help you. Because the singing is to break up the fallow ground. The preaching is to plant. So you leave before anything can be planted. And you wonder why you don't have this. Am I telling the truth? So they trade God for ungodly relationships. They trade God for church that fits their lifestyles instead of their lifestyles fitting into God's plan. It's a garage sale mentality. I got this old coffee table. It's beat up. It's broke. I've glued it together with Elmer's four or five times. It's scraped all up. Sit it outside. Nobody else wants it. Man, you got 50 cents on it, and they, they don't, there's more than 50 cents worth of wood there, but nobody wants it because it looks so ratty. Finally, you, you sit it out and say, free. Four days later, it's still there. <laughs> the problem is we have a garage sale mentality. So God is just... Something you don't use anymore. It's a Bible that's never been read and it's got dust all over it. Don't even know where your prayer life is gone. Am I talking to anybody? And it's a garage sale mentality. Sell God out so you can somehow get something you treasure. So you take this coffee table and you, you put it out there and you said, okay, at least now we can put what we like here. Got to get this out of the way before we buy our new coffee table. We got to get some of these things out of the way so we can buy our new coffee table. That's the way some people are with God. God has always been God. And just because he is infinite and eternal doesn't mean he's an old fogey. And doesn't mean he's a bad product. And doesn't mean that we need to be contemporary in our thinking and move ourselves away from the things that he has established to be true. Yea, yea, and amen. 
And so we're replacing God with so many different new ideas and new contemporary styles until we have lost in our churches the definition of what really God is all about. You know why? Because it's touched the hearts of people. False doctrine is in their heart. And you can't tell them about God because they'll get upset. But that's why I'm telling you here today, I've got to preach this with my whole heart. And I'm not sure if it offends people or not. And I sure hope it doesn't. But that's not going to change my message. My message is to tell you that God wants to deliver you. And you can change your life. And he's not going to just come and fit into you. you got to fit into to him. Oh man, I got to hurry along here. Hey Amen. I've told this story before, but there's there's a, a well-known college where this young crippled boy would drag his feet around. His he had crutches and he had infantile uh, paralysis, and he 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 would drag his feet around until his shoes were worn on the top because his little feet would just drag behind him. And and people looked at that and were just amazed at how he always had a smile on his face. He never complained about it one time. And there was a day. When when someone approached him and confronted him and said, how can you live with such a misfortune? That boy looked at that person and pointed his finger off of, out of, from under the shoulder of that crutch and pointed his finger at them and says, I never let this touch my heart. What he was really saying is, I don't care how much of a problem I may have in my life, I'm not going to allow it to affect me. It's not going to take my smile. It's not going to take my education. It's not going to take me knowing that I have a greater purpose than just what my feet can carry me to. And he was making it very clear. I have never let this touch my heart. So it's never been my treasure to complain about my misfortune. Amen. What he's really saying is, I do not treasure my pain. Some treasure their pain because it always draws attention. It's a drama lifestyle. They always come back to the hurt and want to talk about it, want to talk about it, want to talk about it. It's, it's like a wound that, that people just got to keep picking at it, picking at it, picking at it, so that everybody will pay attention to it. Look, look, look what, look what I'm going through. Look, 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 look. Everybody have, have to see this, see this, see this. Oh, no, no, you're not. Come on, please, please, please look at this. I want you to know that I'm really, I'm really in trouble. Look, 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 look. And when nobody is paying attention, you go into depression because you're still trying to get everybody to look at your hurt, and you want to try to get over it, but you're not getting over it and the reason you're not getting over it is because we're not consuming the lamb it's a wound that you keep picking at don't let your past or your pain of today touch your heart put your eyes on Jesus uh, I, I got a few more things I'm going to say but I want them to, to get on the piano and, and, and kind of help me get my landing gear down King David, second king, anointed of God. I, I wish I had time to go into the second born and the second king. I can go real quick. <laughs> Cain was the firstborn. Abel was the secondborn. That's when God looked at Abel and said, Abel, I accept your sacrifice. Yet, Cain was wroth with him because he was blessed and Cain wasn't. But he was the secondborn. How many of you remember the story of Esau and Jacob? Jacob was the secondborn. 
How many of you now understand that King David was the second king, a man after God's own heart? How many of you know that that's why my first birth, I'm born in sin. But he says I've got to be born again. The second man is what I'm talking about right here. Uh, I don't have time for all that. But here's a king by the name of David that was a man after God's own heart. He kills a lion and a bear with his hands, was a keeper of sheep, kills a giant with a sling and a stone, writes in Psalms, My soul panteth after thee, O God. He fights against his own son Absalom to keep the righteousness in the kingdom. Raises another boy by the name of Solomon that later becomes a king and builds the temple of God. And there was no greater wisdom than King Solomon. But right in the middle of everything, everything's going good. Everything's going fine. I'm doing great. The Bible says that the year when king, the kings went out to battle, instead of going, King David sent Joab and Israel to go fight against the children of Ammon and besiege Rabbah. He stayed home. He stayed home. He stayed home. He stayed home when he should have faced his own enemy. And because of that, he stayed home and he's walking the wall when he should have been on the battlefield. He's walking along, just minding his own business. And all of a sudden, while he's walking that wall, he sees a woman. And the beauty of this woman, Bathsheba, and he saw her bathing. All right, hold on, David. Hold, hold on, hold on. Slow your roll. Aren't you the man after God's own heart? He should have been on the battlefield fighting his own battle instead of having somebody else fight for him. He should have been with all the kings. But no, not this time. And because of this, he was not only facing a physical battle, but now he is creating internal battles. By not doing what he knew he should be doing, he was adding to his problem because now it's not just what the flesh wants, but you have fallen in love with it in your heart. And even though my mercy is going to cover you, David, you better get this thing fixed inside you. Because David took that woman. Later, she had become pregnant by him. He brings her husband off of the front or out of the battlefield, and, and he he said, you need to go in and be with your wife. What he was trying to do, he was, he was trying to set it up like he wasn't the one that did this. But her husband had such integrity. David, you need to learn something from, from her husband. He said, I will not go in and enjoy the comfort of my wife while my brothers are out there fighting on the battlefield. 
I'm going to live with them or I'm going to die with them. But I am not going to exclude myself from my responsibilities. And while he would not go in, David sent him back and put him on the front lines. And he was killed in battle. Here you got a king had lust. You got a king that lied. You got a king that took another man's wife. You got a king that had her husband killed. And all the while, he created himself inner battles because they're much harder to fight than physical battles. He should have just went on the battlefield and fought physically. But now he's got to fight with some things that are going on on the inside. Inner battles become greater when you have no restriction on your physical lust. You must work on getting your flesh under subjection. When you bypass your responsibilities physically, you only create other problems. Skirting the battle will never be the answer. Every one of us have messed up. Every one of us have messed up. Every one of us have inner battles. You're in it so deep that only God can fix it. Inner battles you can't fix, but God can. I'll tell you where David found the solution to his battle. When he said, Lord, if there's any sin in me, please forgive me. What I have done I know is wrong. Then after he asked God for forgiveness, he said then, he said this, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, as we stand. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. God then was not just interested in covering the sin and giving him mercy, but he gave him time to say, God, forgive me. I'm going to get this out of my heart because I know I was wrong. I know I was wrong. I know I was wrong. to step out right now. If you have some things in your life that you are faced with and you have not been able to overcome them, He wants you to be justified by the Spirit.
shelter I was open when you called me a citizen of
Teresa Rocco is going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What we're talking about right now is not mercy. This is the acquittal right here. What that means is when she goes under in the name of Jesus Christ, she is going to be washed from all the sins that have ever been in her life. Amen. And that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. That just means that we have to do the best we can after this. So I'm so proud of her for this. And uh, what we're going to do is, Teresa, when you go down in the water and I bring you back up, what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand on your feet. Lift your hands and just talk to the Lord. Don't worry about anything. Your hair's going to be wet. Don't worry about it. It's just you and the Lord, and we're just going to rejoice with you because this is your moment right now. This is your moment right now. We're proud of you. Amen. Teresa, welcome. Upon the confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. smile you're on the screen up there <laughs> he came to me and he says I want to be baptized I want to be baptized I want to be baptized and I said go get it scheduled 
And so today is the day that we're getting ready to put all of the junk in his life behind him. This is a new start, Enrique. Amen. God is doing some great things in your life. And I believe he's going to use you. I said, I believe he's going to use you. And he's going to use you as an instrument and a tool in his hands to reach not only your family, but your friends. Amen. Enrique Roca, upon the confession of your faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins.